Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Traverse Theatre, Edinburgh. We now join the theatre's associate director and your host, Emma Callender. Hello and welcome to the Travcast. I'm Emma Callender, I'm the Associate Director here at the Travis, and this is my chance to be able to speak with artists, theatre makers and writers about their process and just hear more about their creation of work. So today we're um, broadcasting from the Traverse press office and we're mid-festival, so you may well hear bangs and bells and announcements in the background or phones ringing and that's because we're right in the midst of all of it. And I'm joined by Valentin Darnance here and uh, he's with us during the festival with two pieces, one called Small War and one called Big Mouth. So hello, how are you? Hello there, I'm fine, I'm really fine. Yeah. Another week to go at this festival and just started Big Mouth, so I'm having a quite exciting time. <laughs> What's it like having two shows on at the same time? I was a bit afraid of it in the beginning, but at, on the other hand, like Small War is a companion piece to Big Mouth. And so it's really, really great because so, it's the first time, well, it's the first time I did Small War in English. I just did like six performances in Dutch. That was it. So that's exciting. And then have the two uh, plays here together is really exciting because I was always wondering how it would be if, if I would play the two together because the one grew out of the other one. Um, so yeah, that's that's really really great. Mm, it was really nice. So I watched um, Small War, and then I watched Big Mouth a week later, and it was great hearing the echoes. You know, the very clear ones, yes, which yes, are just yes. inside songs or sounds, mm-hmm. but then also thematic echoes and yeah. real. I think they really bring a depth to each other when they're placed within the same program, and they're both great. beautiful, beautiful pieces. Um, I'd just like to hear um, you call you, you say that you're a theatre maker. Mm-hmm. So you're a writer in a sense of the work, but in its widest sense. So I'd just like to hear um, some more about these two shows, but then also, you know, uh, about how you became to create work in this way. Great. Well, first of all, I think I'm not really a writer in the sense that I'm not like an original uh, uh, writer in the way that I always uh, start from existing material, like documentary material or... Uh, I'll start off with with the first show I did was like Big Mouth. I had this fascination for speeches throughout my teenager years already, mm-hmm. not so much in a political way that that time, but more what what words are able to do. I was always fascinated and w- just by open your mouth and have some sound come out of it that you can change the course of history in mm-hmm. in some circumstances, of course. So if you're if you're really good in talking, <laughs> mm-hmm. you can have a big, a big uh, in, uh, intention, and you can have a big influence. Uh, sorry, on on history. So that was a, a fascination that was with me for a long time. And then I never did a monologue before. I have this uh, company called Skagen in Belgium. We always work with the four of us. We never work with a director. It's like more the four of us share the, the, this all the responsibilities of making a play we're used to it and, and you have several companies in Belgium who work that way because uh, in in England people still find it a bit funny if, if mm. you explain you don't work with a director or they don't take you too seriously <laughs> <laughs> that's another option <laughs> but um, so at this point uh, I had this idea I want to try and make a monologue with 
with speeches. I didn't know how to do it, but I was very sure that I wanted to make a show where everything is done by my mouth. So mm. not only the speeches, I wanted to have uh, music in between, I wanted to have sounds of gunshots or several things, but it, it, it must, I really wanted to have a big mouth and everything that you saw and heard was created by my mouth. <laughs> so that was a bit the, the first concept. Now, <coughs> when you work with a company, you have to you have to agree on lots of stuff and discuss stuff and have fights and other stuff. <laughs> um, uh, working alone for me was also a way of try for the first time to make a piece that I could do by my intuition only. So I promised myself for over the course of a year, a full year, to read every day one speech without too much thinking of it, just have a speech out of world history, read it and think about it. Not think too much, but just put them on stacks in the hope that after a while some speech would start communicate with each other without, uh, as if you don't interfere. Mm. And that's actually what happened. And I, so over the course of a year, I read over a thousand speeches, wow. sometimes not knowing what to do with it, but just put them on stacks like maybe that one is more about America. And so I had different different options. And so the uh, this way this show came together. So I'm not sure if you can call me a writer in that way that I, I've, I haven't written one speech. Of course, I manipulate them terribly. I, I just put bits out of speeches, use bits out of speeches. Uh, and at the very ending, I've just made something up. Um, so... But you just made something up. Does that mean write something? Yeah, yes. Okay. <laughs> I wrote like 10 sentences uh, in, in big mouth. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So you're a writer of 10 sentences. Okay, okay. That's fine. <laughs> um, you want me to continue on Small World directly w- or you want to ask yeah, something about it? Yeah, it would me? be... Um, uh, you've a- answered one of my questions, which was how you went around the selection process because the speeches that you um, that you use range from, you know, Sophocles to Osama bin Laden and specifically i think the the osama bin laden speech um was for me so affecting because of the level of empathy that it, it encourages um yeah it was um it was also how those were reflecting each other and you know from sophocles and the hemlock right through to then hearing the words of bush at the end these mm-hmm. these moments of history i it's interesting that they came around just from listening, you mm-hmm. know, and allowing them to make themselves clear yeah, yeah. rather than it being a very clear plan. Mm-hmm. It felt like that. It felt very organic and natural mm-hmm. how these things just easily sat mm-hmm. with each other. Easily might not be the right word, but <laughs> sometimes they very, very uncomfortably sit next to each other. Yeah. Um, so from working on Big Mouth, how did that then uh, develop into this next piece, Small War? So I was... I was here in 2012 with Big Mouth already. That's already two years ago. Mm-hmm. I just did nine performances, and it was the first time that I play played outside Belgium, mm-hmm. and uh, so that was very exciting and stressful for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but uh, while doing this, and and uh, Big Mouth was was uh, quite successful, even though uh, there it was only a venue that could seat 60 people, so it's easily successful then and easily <laughs> sold out, but <laughs> still. And I soon had this feeling that while doing Big Mouth, eh, which is also a bit, uh, a bit of an actor piece in the way you can be virtuous about 
what skills you have and what voices you can do and what energy you can put out. Um, and it demands a lot on an acting scale as well. But I noticed that people were so excited by the show that, well, the, 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 the thing with speech is that they try to enthusiasm, uh, to encourage people to do something, of course. Mm-hmm. And I, I soon had this feeling, I want to make something about the backside of all these speech because people are now so full of it and, and find it intriguing. And But at the same time, an audience is also captured by the moment, by this by this show and and uh, a bit a slave of the show. It's a bit a strange uh, thing to say. But so I wanted to make, because like 80% of the speeches in Big Mouth refer to war or have some connection with war, sometimes directly, uh, really war speeches or funeral speeches uh, with the soldiers uh, just uh, lying there. But like most of the speeches have something to do uh, with war. So I came to this idea to make something of the backside of the small people who are the... Um, the results of all these great speeches hmm. so 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 that's where the first idea came to make a very s- different show like a big mouth has a great dynamic in it small is f- has a pace that it's all the time the same like i really wanted to have to stress on the trauma of war of the of the ptss uh, or being numb uh, being stuck in the mud in the first world war this record that keeps on continuing uh, we will always have war that's a bit the idea i have now after reading so much about war mm. so that's how a uh, small war, how the first idea of small war came and then i did a bit the same uh, over the course of a year i read a lot about war mm-hmm. mostly on the first world war because of Why the was that what was the um what was the interest specifically in the first world war well the in the time frame, it was interesting because I live in Belgium and close to where it all happened. <laughs> yeah. And um, so you have this massive attention now for First World War thing because mm-hmm. of the hundred year mm-hmm. that, that that it started ago. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, for me, the First World War has always been the symbol for all wars because it was the first industrialized war. And at the same time, it was a war that had no sense at all. <laughs> it was really like... it. it it didn't even have a bad reason to go to war. It was like actually Europe felt like going to war again. And they just had this stupid uh, thing in the beginning. And that started. But uh, all of Europe was already uh, building weapons uh, over, over the course of several years before the First World st- War started. And if you read all diaries about soldiers, like uh, people of 2018, that time, they were all very excited that again after 40 50 years europe would be again at war and we would show how uh, who's the boss and, and stuff it's it's mm-hmm. uh, i think that's different now you don't have that much people who are excited about going to war the but thing that you capture in both of the shows is the energy of mm-hmm. war there's energy yes, yes. behind it and actually that it's quite addictive yeah 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 you know and it can it can fuel some terrifying things but there's some kind of joy or pleasure or relish inside it as well which is really unnerving I think that was the hardest part for me in, in in the research I did for Small War when I came to the 60s and read about Vietnam. That was like the first time that psychology was brought into war and mm. people started to think what happened in the brains when you kill people and stuff. So, and uh, that, that of course, I had read a lot of diaries of soldiers in, in other wars and you always had a feeling of, wow, he's really traumatized or... What, what is happening there or that guy 
has a strange reaction. But it was not before Vietnam, I think, maybe that there are earlier things that I haven't found, but it was not before Vietnam that really, on a psychology scale, uh, was really looked at what happens with soldiers. Mm-hmm. And what they, did, what, what they found out of what I found the most amazing is this killing, that most people have this big fear of to kill someone, but once they killed one, they want to do it again. Mm. So as if they have conquered this fear of killing someone and once you've conquered it it's out of the way and and you need you feel the need to do it again and i have read this in several soldiers in several different wars coming back again as sometimes uh, some people get trophies they cut the ears of of their victims Mm -hmm. the other thing is even uh, those those um, fighter pilots in 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 choppers who sometimes kill someone and they always say oh, it's from a distance that's easy it's like a computer game but they also feel the the urge to see the victim so once they get back and sometimes they mm. get the bodies they really want to see what they have done so that's really like an animal like thing i don't know how to explain but to see what you actually have done it's not like i don't want to see it it's um it's a it's a strange thing a lot of sharpshooters as well who really mm. kill people from long distance really want to check they want to see what what it what what they actually have done yeah that's really interesting we had a piece here last year called grounded that was a drone pilot um uh who had been taken out of the air and 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 put it into the drone and it was that it was that uh, kind of addiction for for the buzz of killing and there were really interesting echoes this year as well, watching, watching Small War. So you have so much, again, such a wide breadth of um, inspiration material in Small War. So I'd just like to hear about the kind of the, the more ru- wide-ranging ones, you know, the ones that are on the very edges and, and how, how they came into the story. You know, well, what do you mean with the edges? The, the, the edges in terms of, so, that, so we're based on the First World War, but then obviously we go right back in history. So what's the earliest piece of... The, um, the earliest I use is Attila the Hun, and I <laughs> really said I'm not going to use any speech in it because I really wanted to do the backside of all those big orators that I did in Big Mouth. But then at a certain point I had just... Attila the Hun is like the cliché of the, of, the, of the fighter or something, and, and the speech, I want to... I just put it in just so you haven't noticed that there hasn't changed anything and you have the speech of 500 uh, years after Christ and and I put it right in between other other periods in in the play so it really resonates I think and you have this example of of a a very warlike uh, person and he's really wild and I wanted to have some because uh, small was very slow and very like softly as well, in a certain way, and I wanted to have some wild energy in it. So mm-hmm. I th- oh, there's one peak in in small war, I think, and that's probably uh, uh, Attila the Hun. <laughs> yeah, but the, like the, the 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 youngest pieces I use are, are from soldiers in Afghanistan mm-hmm. and Iraq, and there's like. Uh, since uh, First World War, uh, soldiers are advised <laughs> to write a letter just in case. So every soldier who fights now or since uh, First World War has to imagine how 
what what life would be if he wouldn't wow. be there so yeah. they have to write these letters and some soldiers have let them be pub published uh, those letters and so i i use a, a, a letter by jesse givens as well i have i've used uh, bits of it who who writes a letter to his unborn child because his wife is pregnant but so and i find it so hard he has to imagine that his child will not know him while and so i find this very uh, moving and uh, i had i had a baby as well in in the period i made small war which was really a bit frustrating so i i had this joy at one side and the other side I was reading all the time on several wars and miserable things happening <laughs> strange maybe that was a balance that you needed oh I, i'm not sure no no i was really <laughs> fed up with war it's really i didn't feel like reading but at that time that all the things where children were involved <laughs> that was really terrible to read just having this newborn baby in it on the other side mm -hmm. uh yeah i yeah, yeah that was <laughs> really terrible then i yeah it changes so much a person when, when you have a baby mm -hmm. that was really hard so uh, the 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 letter that that ended up in small world with with the guy addressing his unborn baby yeah. that's probably also because i i had a baby that time and it moved me that much uh, mm. uh, uh, this letter it reaches a such a level of um intimacy uh, it's a very intimate performance mm, yes, anyway yes. but there we go you can hear that we're uh, <laughs> right in the middle of the theater with the uh, announcements in the background but yeah this level of intimacy then reaching that letter so so moving and and very yeah, very, very delicate. Beautiful. Um, I want to find out what it's like to be performing outside, um, well, in all different countries, not just not just in Scotland, but you're traveling all over, aren't you? And, and, and how does it feel telling these stories also in English for the first time? That's really great. It's like you can have another another chance. It's like even when a, a play, because Small was very well received in, in Belgium mm -hmm. after Big Mouth, which was also very well received. You never know how people are gonna react uh, here, for instance. And uh, England has a certain tradition with theatre, which is very different from ours. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of uh, shows that get great reviews uh, that wouldn't be very good reviewed in Belgium and mm -hmm. opposite. So it's really, it's really different, and you're never sure what's gonna happen. But I find it so, so exciting to go to. Uh, because of course we're not that different, <laughs> but in theatre we have some sometimes a different culture. We also feel that from Scotland to England here, though, because yes, yes. the Scottish theatre scene is so. I have the feeling, but it's 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 different here, of course, because on it's the festival, festival you have. But I, I always yeah. had a feeling if Scots, uh, the the people that come to me and are Scots, because obviously I don't get to meet every audience member, mm -hmm. but they're they're like a bit more emotional than the most English people I know, and they. <laughs> And I have the feeling that my shows do pretty well with with sc Scottish people. <laughs> That's great to um, hear. And yeah, uh, well, maybe it's a coincidence, but uh, uh, and and English people have a a, a slight, uh, yeah, they, they more stress on me as an actor and what I'm able to do uh, okay. often, while uh, uh, Scottish people are often uh, more how they were moved by the performance that's or maybe it's a it's a stupid uh, thing that's your um, experience well so that's in, indeed yeah. it's my experience but i'm of course <laughs> not sure if, if 
if it makes any sense. <laughs> well, no, it's true because that's um, that's what you've been receiving. But what's the? Um, I'd like just to hear about the experience for you of of speaking small or in a different language in English. Um, that's that's hard, really. That's probably the hardest part. It's not my mother tongue. I never speak English at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially when I arrive here, I have to adapt a little mm-hmm. and get into it uh, again. Um, and in the beginning, you feel some distance, as if you're not, as if you're copying something. Uh, and so that's, it takes a little while to to have the feeling that it is your own language in a certain way. So uh, I guess in the beginning, there's a, there's like a distance between you and the text, mm. which I don't like. But I found some, uh, I found uh, Plymouth Royal Theatre Plymouth, who's co-producing the English version of mm-hmm. of Small War. And that's really great option. So I get to spend like ten days in Plymouth and prepare there the English version because we have a lot of videos. So we had to m- make new recordings and stuff, mm-hmm. but also to adapt to an English-speaking uh, audience and to have some warming up, let's say, <laughs> to, uh, to to get into it. But now I'm feeling really confident in the English language w- while I perform, not during this interview. <laughs> <laughs> but when my lines are really like I know my lines very well and I know the people they re- actually understand what I'm saying. <laughs> so, because I remember the first time when I did Big Mouth two years yeah. ago, it was really the first time I, I performed in English. Uh-huh. And I in the beginning, I have this really slow going speech um, and without any reaction. And I was really thinking, I remember thinking me, oh, do they understand me? Is my English good? <laughs> have they got any? Because they were all looking like, what is he doing? <laughs> uh, but that had more to do with the content of the speech, I guess. But it's uh, strange. I don't know how, if uh, how it would be for an English. It's a bit like man. Uh, I guess you have a notion of French. Most English people, mm-hmm. it's like you just learn the French, and then you speak it. But you still have this feeling of mm-hmm. hmm, it's not me. It's like, yeah. am I doing it right? I want to ask in um, in Big Bath, you speak in a number of languages. Do you speak all of those languages yourself? No. Uh, not fluently. I mean, I haven't. Uh, uh, so English and French are, are are pretty good, but my German is oh, it's okay. But I can't do like really difficult things in German. It's okay to go to a pub in Berlin and have small talk with mm-hmm. people. I make a lot of mistakes in German. Um, no, um, so mm-hmm. d- Dutch is my mother tongue, and uh, French and English are okay. And um, I use German as well. I, I use some Latin. I never speak Latin. <laughs> <laughs> I just... No. Um, yeah, that's it. Well, they're both absolutely beautiful pieces. And they've... I saw Big Mouth just yesterday, so it hasn't had time to do this. But Small War is still living with me. And I feel like I'm still digesting it. And then wow, watching Big wonderful. Mouth kind of brought Small War back to life again it, it, in my head. I, I was reflecting on so many moments and so much of that material so thank you so That's much great. and thank you for being here and thank you it's thank really you good very to much hear more great great well have a good final week in the festival thank you We hope you enjoyed this podcast from the Traverse Theatre Edinburgh. For more information, please log on to www.traverse.co.uk.